The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas, November 28th through December 2nd, and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag, and to learn all about the Atlas Developer Data Platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com slash reinvent for more information. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking with Brian Jones and Brian Poirier of Liberty Mutual. Liberty Mutual is one of the largest companies on the planet. They're ranked 75th on the Fortune 100 list of largest companies, and they've been around since 1912. One thing that's clear to me after this conversation is that Liberty Mutual is a company that embraces change. And from our discussion with Brian and Brian, it's clear that they embrace technology to do that. We get into some details about their stack, what technology they're using, and how they're transitioning from an on-premises, largely an on-premises application environment to one that incorporates elements in the cloud like MongoDB Atlas. It was a fascinating discussion. I learned a ton, and I know that Nick and I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you do too. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Welcome, folks. Yeah, thanks. How are you doing? Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. Brian Poirier, would you uh, give us a bit of an intro? How are you doing, Mike? Uh, my name is Brian Poirier. I've been with uh, Liberty Mutual for about five years. I'm a senior inf- infrastructure engineer. been working with MongoDB pretty much since we've incorporated at the company. And uh, from the beginning of our on-prem up into what we've done in EC2 and, and now with our integration into Atlas. And I know we've spent some time together at some of the events. Um, you've done some speaking for MongoDB, is that correct? Correct. Uh, we were on the MongoDB Live podcast uh, earlier this summer, talking about some of the uh, some of the issues we work with working through uh, MongoDB to incorporate into Atlas. Oh, great! And Brian Jones, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Um, so uh, I'm Brian Jones. I'm an architect at Liberty Mutual. I work in our shared service organization that we call Global Digital Services. Um, really focused on the developer experience and deploying databases and taking care of them and all things that go into that. So glad to be here. Thanks for having us. So shared services, that's an interesting area. I spent some time at uh, Merrill Lynch and Bank of America in a very similar role, working in uh, shared services architecture role. So I I imagine we've done quite uh, a similar role. Um, And I'd like to get to that. um, But before we do, both of you mentioned that you've been working with MongoDB for quite some time. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what's what's going on with MongoDB at Liberty Mutual today? Well, we've we've kind of uh, started with our, a lot of our on-prem instances and with microservice architectures. It grew pretty rapidly. Um, we hit pretty much a scaling issue where we weren't able to 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 move as fast as our developers were, were kind of hoping. And um, we just couldn't bring in features that we wanted for for doing things like sharding or um, some other high-tech stuff we couldn't do. Moved into EC2 where we found it was great, gave us more flexibility, more integration with cloud services. However, managing the the operating system components and all and all the other facets of a cloud EC2 instance just kind of held us back, um, which brought in Atlas. So we're just now really starting to take off with Atlas and um, 
we're we're looking pretty good. We're looking for a pretty uh, rapid uptake. When you um, were were having issues when, with sharding and scaling things like that, how long were you in the evaluation process? Would you figure before you decided, oh, Atlas is uh, a potential uh, win for us? We had a couple app teams that were very interested in sharding, but we we couldn't figure out how to uh, do the backups and the recovery and in the encryption piece. So we decided that our on-prem just wouldn't handle it. So it, it was a pretty quick decision right there. Uh, at the time, I remember Atlas had just come online. Um, so it's about two and a half years ago, roughly. And we immediately saw that the, the, there is potential where we could scale up to these big applications that could that could take use of sharding that we just couldn't do with our on-prem instances. And for the folks listening that may be wondering, Sharding, uh, uh, we obviously know who Liberty Mutual is, large insurance company. But when we talk about sharding, we're talking about partitioning the databases, right? And this is typically done for scalability, to to scale to large um, database instance sizes. So um, we divide the data up across many different, we we scale horizontally across many different uh, clusters. And that can be be a challenge uh, when you're running on-prem. And when we talk about scaling, what what are we talking about in terms of the size of these databases? How large are they? Are you comfortable talking about that? Well, a lot of our on-prem instances, like I said, were was based kind of on microservice architectures where we had many databases running many different applications. So though we have a lot of replica sets, data sizes float around 200 gigabytes roughly as some of our larger databases. Um, some of the smaller ones I'm not sure off the top of my head, but you know that that's that's kind of where our on-prems developed. Now we typically say the rule of thumb is when you start to look at database sizes in the terabytes, one to two terabytes. That's when we typically say you want to start looking at at sharding, and but that's just a general rule of thumb. And I'm I'm imagining that because you're using a microservice architecture that those numbers would probably come down. Is that is that a correct assumption? You mean if numbers would come down if yeah, you would probably look to shard at a much lower number in a microservice architecture as opposed to, you know, one service, one server per database. I see what you're saying. In a microservice architecture, we could see those numbers come down because we could spread the load to different areas based on where the data lives. So kind of where we we have our two data centers right now that we haven't been able to really do something like that. So we're kind of stuck with this uh, monolithic approach, I guess you could say. We can't we can't spread to different availability zones. We can't we can't horizontally scale out at the moment. So yes, we do think those numbers can come down with a microservice architecture because we can basically put the data where we need it. So in, in regards to uh, your servers, uh, first of all, I want to maybe take a step back. Is Liberty Mutual only in the United States? Or is it distributed globally? We're a global company, absolutely. So, with with that in mind, uh, I mean, how many servers would you say that you have, and and what's what kind of distribution are you using for those servers? Currently, all all of our on-prems live in two data centers in the United States. Um, application teams are all over the world, but for our on-prem Mongo environment, they're they're stuck in our two data centers, which brings in latency issues. Um, if we have someone in Europe that's trying to do work, they definitely hit that. And an, an, 
now again, that's where we're looking to something where we, if we could put the data where our developers are, where our customers are, we could, we could overcome some of these issues. And in terms of the, the rationale for moving to, to Atlas, scalability is certainly one. Uh, are there other factors from a business perspective that, that led you to, to leveraging MongoDB Atlas? Um, absolutely. When we were looking at Atlas, we're, we're, we've, we have a big focus right now of, of moving to the cloud, like many enterprises across the, across the IT world right now. So we're definitely, MongoDB is definitely a very popular service. And we realized to, to make a better offering for our customers, we have to, we have to look to something like Atlas because having a resource to take care of the myriad of, uh, resources that make the database having a partner that kind of to to can help us with support issues that that's really what we're looking for when at with atlas so what what else is in this stack i mean we've got atlas as our data layer um you've we we're we're working off of microservices um what are you using to interact with with um with mongodb yeah like the the drivers are your app are your application teams well versed in uh in using you know the the driver stack are using Node.js using correct yep yeah. uh, okay S Spring Boot Java Python uh, we we run the gamut pretty much all the uh, the standard offerings that we do, we have applications built in that but from what I've seen the most popular seems to be Spring Boot Spring yeah. Boot using um well not with Atlas right now but with our on prem and we're actually working with a couple teams now to to incorporate that into Atlas. And what we find is when we we talk to folks like yourselves in the in the larger enterprise space, there's often this um, this pull effect where developers get to the solution of MongoDB before uh, before some of the the hosting and central architecture teams. Did you find that at all? Were were uh, folks leveraging MongoDB before you? created the shared services plan the 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 shadow it we we did have a <laughs> right. shadow it and um when 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 mongo was first on the scene a lot of developers were playing with it and in, in uh you know have the little server set up under your desk running running mongo or something like that and uh as mongo grew and more features were added that's where we find ourselves now and, and i go back to uh, things like sharding where developers want something they want this capability to expand out but we just don't have that with our on-prem infrastructure. But yes, that, that is something. We try to give our developers what they need and what they want. And we, we try to meet that need and try to anticipate it. And that's a, another area we think Atlas basically has everything built into it that, that they would want to use. Now, what about uh, the CICD, uh, the, the pipelines and, and the infrastructure's cloud? Are you doing anything in that space? Yeah, we're doing a, a ton of stuff in that space. Um, we are using... We have a we we use Atlassian tools to deploy our pipelines, and so um, we've incorporated uh, HashiCorp Terraform um, as part of the deployment process. We've got um, other thing like we have just the REST API calls. That if Terraform doesn't do it yet, we're using REST API calls to do some of that, um, all the way from project creation, uh, all the way through cluster creation, VPC endpoints. So um, I want to I want to slow yeah. you down just a second. When yeah, you say <laughs> that's okay, no, it's great stuff. When when you say project creation, are you talking about Atlas project creation? Yep. yep. So you're leveraging the MongoDB Atlas API to to reach into Atlas and and trigger the project builds and the cluster deployments. Yep, that's right. So we um, we've written some um, code internally to be able to map people to the right organizations within Mongo. So we have um, certain organizations for certain parts of 
um, our business segments. And so we're able to, um, with some of our internal tools, know which segments they or which uh, organizations they map to and allow them to create their projects in the right place so they don't have to come directly to the DBAs to say, hey, can you create me a project and an API key and stuff to be able to communicate with that project? Are you leveraging like Active Directory or groups? How, how do you determine when someone internally goes to trigger a build, uh, what, what level of uh, access and, and groups they are in Atlas? Yeah, so part of our um, shared services organization has um, a lot of metadata around our organization. And so we know that if a, they pick what organization they're in, right? Um, and internal, we have a term called organization too. And so we know that when they deploy or when they create an artifact in our CICD pipelines, they are tied to this organization. So we're mapping um, Atlas organizations into our internal organizations from a metadata standpoint, and we're able to let them go into the right places. So, I mean, uh, I'm, I don't know if this is a silly question or not, but these, uh, these scripts that you have for, for deployments, um, is this something that the, so if the developer needs to deploy Atlas, are they doing this or um, are you doing this? Uh, where's the separation? Yeah, so we, um, so most of our developers don't really care about all the internals of creating a database. If you go ask them, they'll say, hey, can I just get a Mongo Atlas database and hit like give you a few give you a little bit of information fill out a few fields hit the build and deploy and off it goes right so what we've done is we've built all of the um, back-end stuff for them and in their deployments it will pull in our standard scripts terraform stuff rest api calls cloudformation templates to create aws stuff in our accounts and it will go just pull that for them and run the deploy and all they have to at a minimum all they have to put in is the size of their instance they want we pull in um, metadata about their project like names and things like that so it's all variable driven and it just goes and and does their stuff so really simple it has some, it has good and bad right so some of the developer community is is super uh interested in all of the bells and whistles and add-ons and things <laughs> like that and so they they typically don't like this whole like, hey, just I, I want to know. I want to be able to change stuff, right? And so, um, so that isn't built in yet, right? If we need to add a feature or we haven't built in sharding yet or multi-region deployments yet into the process, it's not available to them um, through this process. But for the most part, they can ask us. We'll put it together, make it available for them, and it'll be available in a in a little bit of time. So, but it, for most of the development community we have, it works really well. We're really excited about it. And I think it's, you, you almost have to take this approach where it's almost like an 80-20, where you satisfy the requirements of the masses and there's always going to be outliers. Um, remember that struggle very well. I'm curious about what it was like before. Like if I'm a developer in Liberty Mutual and I want to deploy uh, infrastructure for a new application I'm, I'm starting, what, what was it like before and what is it like today? What, what's the business impact on developers? Well, for on-prem, it was pretty much a manual process. Um, We'd get a ticket in as a DBA from an application team. Um, after a couple of approvals here and there, that would take about a day. Allocating, provisioning, and having everything ready would take another day. So generally a two to three day turnaround time when we received the ticket. Mm -hmm. So with our CICD pipelines, we, we aim to basically say, here you go, you know, do what you need, run into an issue, you know, we'll help you out or whatever. 
but it, it was a it was a really manual process. <laughs> and are these pipelines? Do they uh, take care of any kind of upgrades to MongoDB Atlas as well? Given that Liberty Mutual is is a pretty enormous company, I mean, what what does an Atlas upgrade look like uh, using all of these these scripts that, that you're using now? Yeah, so super excited to be able to put upgrades in the hands of the developers through this process, right? So right now, as far as I know, we've we've done it from like 4.2 to 4.4 through this process. It is a one character change in a, a property file or a manifest file, right? And so you go from 4.2, you change it to 4.4, you build it, you deploy it, Mongo does its stuff behind the scenes for us and you get a updated version with all the latest features of Mongo, right? So super cool, um, super excited. Compared to the on-prem where we still have 2.6 and 3.0 and 3.2 and 3.4 running and anybody that wants to upgrade has to come talk to a DBA to do it, right? And so um, super excited for the, the flexibility of the managed space in this, in this area for sure. So when you're, when you're making that one character change from say 4.2 to 4.4, are you doing, is this change happening for all clusters that you currently manage or is it working for only new clusters and i mean i mean is there any kind of downtime when that happens as well yeah so this is on a per cluster deployment right so application teams or developers are in charge of their own clusters and their own projects and so we can do defaults for when they create a new a new project in our in our cid cd space and it will, it will default them to the latest but to get to the the upgrade process, they have to go in and change their file for that deployment or that environment, redeploy it. I haven't done a lot of them and the database I had was small, right? But going through it, it was quick. I believed it rolled through the different nodes as part of the different members in the cluster and minimal downtime uh, through that. So super, super cool and excited to see it. Yeah. And and that's that's precisely the way Atlas does those upgrades, minimal downtime, rolling across the individual uh, nodes in each cluster. And I would imagine that Liberty has a, a an SDLC, a software development lifecycle, where you have uh, Q, you know, dev. They do that first in dev. They test the, the code and they roll into maybe a, a user acceptance testing or, or QA environment. What's that look like from an SDLC perspective? Yeah, you're exactly right. We have um, dev through prod, dev, dev, QA has different names, Q, QA, test, whatever, um, stage, staging. We have performance environments and then production and then each one of them has a deployment associated with it so they can control those versions up through the so the life cycle of the application and database. So I imagine the glue that holds this all together is the CICD pipelines and uh, and the stack of technology that's in there. Are you leveraging the MongoDB connector for Terraform? Yeah, for sure. When we first got into this endeavor with Atlas and started looking at uh, how we were going to deploy this through code and through our pipelines, we were going to have to use all the REST APIs a couple of years ago. Really wasn't something that I wanted to, to deal with. Uh, trying to figure out what changed in these property files and adjust them with the REST APIs wasn't, wasn't something that I was real excited about. And so we reached out to Mongo and found a community one that somebody had put together for Terraform and said, hey, this thing's been downloaded like 10, I forget, it was like 10,000 or 100,000 times. So people were definitely into it, but it didn't have all of the latest, it hadn't been touched in a while, right? And so I think Mongo kind of said, hey, let's uh, let's tap into that and let's build it and actually work with, with HashiCorp um, to make it an official 
uh, connector, right? And so we are definitely, we're not creating the project yet. We're doing that with an API call, but we are creating the cluster and configuring uh, encryption at rest and alerting and all of that kind of stuff with it. And it's really, really neat to kind of see it work and um, do all the magic for us that we don't have to figure out under the covers. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, you mentioned encryption, speaking of security, and HashiCorp, phenomenal company. Those guys are doing some amazing things. Are you using Vault at all? Yeah, that that is like the the last piece of the puzzle, right? So, so once you get everything created, you still have to get access to the database. And so, I, I always used to complain, even as a DBA on prem, our developers would ask for a uh, we'd do a ticket to create a database. We get the database created for them, and then most of our databases on prem. They'd say, okay, I need a user. Well, we don't, we're not allowed to create users. You guys have to go do another ticket to get a user created in the database that you just asked for. And so, oh, and you have to create a group because you have to do groups and you have to do another request for IDs and get access to stuff. And so it was just a, a really horrific process. And so we didn't want to carry that forward into Atlas. And so um, all of most of our cloud databases today are using uh, HashiCorp Vault. And so what that allows us to do with some internal stuff that we've written also some using some of that metadata that I talk about is that we're able to, as part of our deployment process, register the Atlas database with HashiCorp or HashiCorp vault product. And it gives the project ID and the API credit credentials to vault so that when we say, Hey, I need a read ID, it goes and out and dynamically creates one, sends back the credentials to you. And you can use those um, to do your stuff, right? And so we've built the ability to uh, get credentials into our role-based access controls based on whatever groups you're in an AD or LDAP to say, hey, this organization deployed this database. I am now able to go and hit this button to go get me a read credential or a read-write credential. And it has a time to live on it and only exists for whatever whatever time to live we get up, give it for that role. Even even better is we're able to say in the pipeline, and this isn't a vault thing, this is something we built into it, but we're, we're able to say, hey, this application or this database was deployed by this pipeline. Inside this pipeline, I'm going to tell it this other pipeline can get credential, read credentials into my database or read write credentials into my database. So when the app deploys, it calls vault and says, give me the credentials of the database I need access to. And will automatically create a read write credential every time they deploy their application. And so super excited to not have to do uh, some kind of JIRA ticket or request into another team to go get access to a database that I should already have access to. So we're super say, excited for that. Like Terraform too, that came about as a as a as an open source project. And we were actually working with Mongo Professional Services, and it's something we brought to Mongo and said, wouldn't it be great if you if we could incorporate this in Atlas and, and Mongo picked up the torch, kind of listened to what we were asking for and, and brought that in. And and it's a huge, it's a huge win. Huge Fantastic. win for, for us. I'm just I'm amazed. I mean, you've really embraced the technology. And and it sounds like a really tight uh, partnership with with not only MongoDB but other technology partners. I'm curious: were you asked by your leadership teams to to quantify this? Uh, you, it sounds like you're saving literally man days per deployment. In the early days of cloud databases, we did quantify this. We've probably stopped quantifying every database that we deploy now, right? Because they're tired of hearing it. They're like, "Yeah, we know you can do this. Great, thanks." Um, so, but in the early days, we were going from 
in the, especially in the relational world, right? Going from month or two to get a fully deployed app and database, right? Down to um, an hour or less now, right? And so um, we're taking advantage of a lot of the hard work we did a couple years ago and applying that to Atlas now. And so, so we, we don't quantify it anymore for the most part uh, because we've already kind of done it in, uh, in other spaces. So I guess there's a, a level of trust at this point when you, when you make a recommendation around a piece of technology, I imagine it, uh, it carries a lot of weight. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So, so far, this has been a pretty great discussion on, on how you're leveraging MongoDB at Liberty Mutual. Um, are you able to share some information on where you're going next? So what's, what's coming up next in that pipeline of yours over there? Well, we're, we're getting to the point where we're ready to really introduce this and, and let the product start to take off. Um, some of the things we're looking at right now uh, is single sign-on integration with, with Active Directory to control role base. Um, right now, it's a pretty manual process where if a dev team needs access to something, I pretty much have to give it to them. Um, but, and we're hoping to to work with Mongo into that to that next piece. Yeah, so what... What the goal of that would be was we already have in our metadata these roles that we talked about earlier that kind of tie and let them get access to the database, but we don't have anything that goes based on those roles and give them access into the Atlas console. So doing the doing the role-based access would allow us to not have to go how do manual um, manual grants inside the Atlas console to let these developers get access to the stuff they've deployed. And what we're finding right now too is we actually have to sit down and work on the business rules and how on what types of accesses we're going to give, uh, to when for how, what types of limits, um, who has the ultimate atlas privileges, stuff like that. So there are a lot of business rules we actually have to work on too. And I, I point that out to any enterprise going into atlas. That's an important thing to consider before starting because now we're finding great. We have all this stuff. We got all these people in. Now we got to start taking things away as the scope was creeping through the development process. Yeah. And that's, that's great. I mean, that touches on something that I think is important to cover suggestions for other, maybe architects or uh, central hosting services uh, folks out there looking at, at the similar type of journey. Like what suggestions would you have for them uh, going down the same path? They definitely uh, want want to to work on those business rules. What type of access do you need? Uh, understanding the difference between console access and, and database access, how credentials are going to get managed if you're going to be using single sign-on. So definitely that conversation before really diving in. Um, when we started, a lot of these features weren't in Atlas. Uh, we were able to work through professional services to get a lot of things integrated. So I would say to any any big corporation or anyone that's really looking to get started is, is, is work with professional services. I think they're, it's one of the better teams I've ever had to work with. And we've always been able to get things we've needed or we've asked for uh, in, in a reasonable amount of time, but, but definitely know where you want to go. Definitely understand use cases, what customers need. Um, uh, we have people looking at, um, at realm right now. We have people looking at uh, using charts, but, we're not quite there yet. Yes, the service is there, but we still have to, again, work on the business rules and how we're going to manage these things. So I would say before opening the floodgates is, is have that plan of how you're going to manage that 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 scope, you know, because people want everything and they want it now, uh, but that might not be the best course of action. Mm. Now, you mentioned technical services. Um, do you have a, a dedicated technical service 
uh, person? Do you have someone assigned to you, your team? Sure do. Um, um, uh, his name's Stamati, and anytime we run into a, any things, he's usually the first person I, I call. Um, support's great, but sometimes we just have those issues that have to be addressed right now. And anytime we reach out to to our customer advocate, Stamati, he's, he's able to get us in touch with engineers or people that are working directly with those projects. In, in fact, we were able to connect with uh, Melissa Plunkett, who had a huge piece in, in bringing in Terraform and Vault, and it was through our customer advocate um, that we were able to get in touch with her. And, and we were able to basically bring our, our, our issues, our, our needs, what we've done, and what we'd love to see integrated into the product. Fantastic. And Melissa is the product manager, right? For... Correct. Yeah. And uh, around that architecture space, um, it is really important if you're going to be in the infrastructure, oh, so, excuse me, if you're going to be in the infrastructure as code game, to uh, stick to your guns, because as soon as you let people in that console and start changing stuff, your infrastructure code is most likely going to break uh, once it starts deviating from from what you've deployed. So, um, so we've done a pretty good job at Liberty, it um, just as cl in cloud in general, of sticking to our infrastructure as code guns and only allowing kind of read access into those consoles and. And the AWS console and the MongoDB Atlas console. So uh, it makes things long, way better in the long run if we can do that. And there's so much benefit to be able to understand where those changes are coming from, who did them, having a source of truth in your um, in your pipeline and repositories and things like that. So um, so that's one that's one thing I would suggest. Yeah. Speaking of um, single source of truth, what do you use for change control? Yeah. So we have a tool called Remedy, which I think is a uh, as a as a change control product, and we've built in kind of the standard change into the pipeline, right? So we know um, that this change goes with this application, and it automatic will log a change every time they run a production deployment. Well, this was a fantastic episode. Tons of great material that I think our listeners are going to find a lot of value in. Uh, before we wrap up this particular episode, I want to give the two of you a chance to give any kind of shameless plugs about yourself, some stuff that you're working on. Um, your social media handles. This is your opportunity to sell yourself. Jeez, I never really thought about that, but uh, definitely on LinkedIn. Look forward to, to hearing from people and helping out where I can. And are you just Brian Poirier on uh, LinkedIn? On LinkedIn, or, correct. Or something else. Yeah. Perfect. Find me at Liberty Mutual and you'll have a nice picture without a picture <laughs> of me when I was younger. Yes. Yep. And you can find me on LinkedIn with my really unique of Brian Jones. And so it should be no problem there. Um, but if you find Liberty Mutual, I'm, there's not a whole lot of us at Liberty Mutual, so it should be all right. Um, I do have a Twitter handle, Brian Jones IT uh, there. Can always reach out there and more than happy to share our, our experiences with Alice with anybody. Fantastic. And um, do you gentlemen ever uh, slide into the community forums, MongoDB, uh, community.mongodb.com? Uh, I haven't in a while, but I have gone through there. We've got, it's, it's actually a really good resource to, to interact with other people. Uh, but I, I, I would say I've done it selfishly and not done it from a community <laughs> perspective. So, uh, when I have a feature request, I hop out there and put it out there, but, uh, probably need to hop in there and, uh, help other people out more than I do today. Great. Well, we're going to hold you to that. All right. <laughs> Folks, thanks so much for spending time with us. Uh, it's been a great, uh, great conversation and I really appreciate your time. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. Great. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com. The best tech conference of the year is coming to Las Vegas, November 28th through December 2nd, and MongoDB will be there. Check us out at booth 1611 for prizes, swag, and to learn all about the Atlas Developer Data Platform. Can't make it to the show but still want to enjoy the fun? Check out the MongoDB live stream for live interviews and discussions of all the exciting announcements from the show. Visit mongodb.com reinvent for more information.